on Brunch, we'll be featuring our guest of the week. These guests are often familiar voices on Radio 3 that we hear from time to time. Throughout this week, we'll get to know them a bit better, find out about their childhood and hobbies, and some of the defining moments of their lives. This week, I'm super delighted to have a wonderful guest on the program. Now, he's no stranger to RTHK. Vivek Mabubani is a renowned stand-up comedian. He's also an award-winning new media designer. Vivek has been crowned the funniest person in Chinese in Hong Kong in 2007 and also in English in 2008 in the Hong Kong International Comedy Competition. Vivek has also taken his sense of humor all over the world, including Hong Kong, China, Macau, Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, Sri Lanka, India, Australia, Canada, and the U.S. In fact, the U.S. world-famous Laugh Factory ranked him as one of the top 10 comedians in their annual Funniest Person in the World competition. And in 2018, he was named among the 10 outstanding young persons in Hong Kong. So Vivek, let's talk a little bit more about challenges and struggles. What's the biggest adversity you faced in your life? So one of the biggest things I, that challenged me as a person in general was back in 2006, I was diagnosed with stage 2 lymphoma cancer and I had just graduated from university. And having been told that, you're immediately basing off all the movies you've watched. You're like, oh, I guess that's it. You know, game over. That was fine. I'm going to lose my hair and die. Great. Initially, it was a shock. I didn't expect it because you're like, you're young. What did I do wrong? My friends drink. They, you know, they smoke. I'm the one who's like trying to be healthy. Why am I getting this? And after a while, it made me stop and reflect. I went to the different stages of grief. You know, I was upset and everything. But then I realized this is reality. I have no choice. I've got to face it. So I went through chemotherapy, lost hair and all that stuff. However, during the six months in chemo, I kind of had a, an insight of like, well, you know, had this been the end, I would regret it. So you know how people tell you like, oh, live it like it's the last day. I got it in my face. So like, this could be a last day. So it was a really good lesson. Uh, it really opened my mind of like learning to say that you can procrastinate and be like, oh, you know what? I'll do it tomorrow or you can do it now. Because what happened in chemotherapy, if anyone's had gone through this, you would know chemotherapy very often is a multiple session. So what happened for me is that every three weeks I go through one chemotherapy. So what they do is they, give you, they inject you with what is a poison to try to kill off the cancer cells. At the same time, it does damage you as well. But because you're a bigger being, you can survive that while the cancer cells cannot. So in other words, it's like, a, you know, you're attacking yourself. So every three weeks, day one, I get the injection and I will throw up that day, not feel good. And from day one to day 10, I get worse and worse. By day 10, I wake up, have a little breakfast and I'm tired to go back to sleep. Day 11, I start to improve. So you can see the V-shaped cycle, okay? So by day 18, I'm at 80%. And I know I have two days before I'm back to zero again. So it's kind of like a ticking time bomb, but it's also a very good practice of like, you got two days, you got 48 hours. What is it that you want to do? Because there's no excuse like, oh, I'm tired. Oh, the sun's not out. It's like, you want to go to the beach? Because in two days, yeah. it's, just, it's a cycle. Yes. Exactly. And this is a training much like you would get in any other situation. But this was so real because there was, I could come up with all the excuses, but it doesn't matter because in two days, I'm going back. So I knew for these two days, I got to plan. So the first, like, let's say 17 days, I'm planning. These next two days, I better be ready for it. I want to maximize it, do whatever I want to do. So that was the cycle I had. So it was a challenge because initially, you did not know what to expect. Initially, I was very upset. I was like, why is it happening to me? Initially, I was angry because I was like, why am I burdening my family? What did I do wrong? Initially, I was upset because I was like, why do I have to be the one, you know? I mean, other people do worse things than me, right? I've been a good person kind of a deal. 
But I then realized that this cycle, I have to go through it. So I can either be upset about it or learn from it and try to get ready for it. So I built that thing. Now, of course, nowadays, I used, I used to have this whole routine about my cancer days. First of all, it was like environmentally friendly because I shampoo less, right? I'm helping the world. So all you people with hair, you're terrible to me, right? Secondly, I'm losing hair now. And I'm not worried because I'm like, people, deja vu. Been there, done that. I know what it looked like. I'm cool with it. Right? I lost eyebrows as hell back then. So I'm pretty good now with this facial hair. Um, also, I used to have this joke that on the 18th day, I could meet my friends because, you know, then your immunity is better. And I can meet my friends for lunch and everything. And I remember having lunch with them. They were like, oh, where do you want to go, Viv? I'm like, let's go there. Right? I ordered this, ordered that. Have the best food. The bill arrives. And I look at all. I'm like, you want me to pay? Do you really want me to split the bill? I mean, look at me. I have no hair. Look, oh my look at me. God. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, fine, man. Dude. We got you. Yeah, okay, no problem. Like, uh, I'm gonna order dessert now, okay? <laughs> you guys pay the bill, but <coughs> you really, you know, I would do all that stuff. You'd be at home every now and then. I'm like, oh, I just don't want to. I don't want to get the book from over there. Yeah, Mom, can you? <laughs> could you get me the book? Like, can't you get it yourself? Uh, cancer. <laughs> you know, like all that. She's like, oh, fine, right? You know, stuff like that. Oh, mom, I need that toy. Why? Cancer. You know, stuff like that. Of course, like it was not as easy as that. But now when I look back, I'm like, oh, I remember those days. I would have these thoughts. But I did tell myself that I have a choice now. I can either spend these six months hating every moment of it or spend these six months to get ready for when I'm done and I'm out of this and I'm, I'm going to be a better person. One of the readings I read I mean, when I was going through some therapy is it did say one of the best things you could do is have a goal in mind. Reason why is because mentally you have something to look forward to. Then psychologically you're not so depressed. Like, oh, what am I doing? I'm like, I'm looking forward to after six sessions to be ready to rock and roll and go for my dreams. And that drove me. I would read all these books and I was reading all the classic books, Seven Habits, you know, Think and Grow Rich, stuff like that. I was like, what's so classic about these? I read all of them. I would borrow them and read them and everything. And that really opened my mind. The, the toughest thing was the cycle of no matter how hard I try, no matter how good I've been, I'm going to have to go get that injection again every 21 days. And that taught me as well that you can complain about how you put in everything and it's not fair. Or you can say, okay, this is the card that was dealt and I'm going to make the best of it. So in my comedy, I have the benefit of my identity not being like, I'm not like a super tall, handsome guy. I'm not Chinese. I'm, you know, I'm all this stuff. But I get to choose that. I can complain like, it's not fair, you know, if I just had better eyes, you know. Or I can say, oh, it's good that my eyes are slanted. If you look at my face, my face is slanted, right? So small things like that, I'm like, oh, this is, let me play with this. Let me do something about that. But that's what makes you attractive because you're so confident and you own it. Exactly. Yes. And I learned the ownership. And I owned the chemotherapy and I was like, I've got to do this and I'm going to do this. Okay. So no matter all the pep talk I get, no matter my family thinks, we support you, we're going to pray for you. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm the one in that room. I'm going to get it done. It's all good. And that taught me that at the end of the day, certain things, everyone can help you, whatever, but it comes down to you. And like I said, it, it's, it's one of the experiences that people ask me, would you wish to not go through it again? I was like, honestly, I'd want to go through it again. It was such a good lesson for me. So again, in my routine back then, I was like, so everyone, if you're lost in life, Get some cancer. It's really good. You know, get a, get a, you know, get a few cancer here or there. You know I mean, don't go stage four. Okay, calm down. Stage one or two is good. Don't, don't get greedy here, you know. So I would tell them, and I was like, the truth is really it. If it wasn't for that, I'm very certain I wouldn't be the person I am today. So if you are young and you're living healthy, beware. Yeah. You're in trouble now. You need some unhealthy stuff in your life, you know. So it, it really was one of the biggest challenges in my life. It sounds like that adversity really helped you with your resilience and it really just helped you grow as a person. Absolutely, yeah. And I think comedy is another thing as well where you are on stage alone, just like I was doing chemotherapy alone in, in, a, in a certain sense. And it really made me go, and 
before I did comedy, I remember joining the competition and I told myself, look, if chemotherapy, cancer couldn't even kill me, what can comedy, what can a bunch of people not laughing do to me? And that was a comparison. Like, yeah, I survived that. Like, we're not going to laugh. What's the big deal? And you see the comparison. And I think that's what I, that's that what some, just puts things into perspective. Correct. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And it really helped me a lot. Yeah, your family must have supported you through and through. What does that mean to you? I think it's very important. Of course, initially as a man, you know, I'm like, I don't need this. But the truth is, it really helps. I mean, my mom was there. She, I, I, I told her as well. I was like, I feel really bad that I'm putting this burden on you. And she's like, Well, it doesn't matter. We're family. That's the, that's the deal. That's part of having this privilege of family, right? And we were all trying to do our best. My sister came. She was in the UK working and studying back then. She came back to be with me, you know, just wow. to support whatever. And we were all trying to research, like learning about this, learning about that, asking about family who's had any history. Basically, it was a moment of realizing that there's a certain responsibility of family, but there's also a certain benefit of it. So if you are able to, sorry, so if you're able to fulfill the responsibility, then you will get the benefit. But very often we want the benefit. And like, but I don't want to do all that. Well, you don't get both ways. And that was a real uh, honest lesson for me when I was like, oh, you know what? I kind of owe it yeah. to my family in many ways. So I put in all the effort I can that after the cancer was done, I was like, you know what? I will somehow make them feel like it was worth supporting my medical fees. Like, yeah. I don't want them to be like, oh, he should just, we should just let him oh, go. Oh, now they're like, oh, yes, yeah, it was yeah. worth it. Yeah, they remind me. They're like, oh, remember what happened back <laughs> yeah. like that? We have photos, man. Yeah. We have photos. We looked after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That Do book it. that you wanted mummy to get from the Yeah, from yeah, yeah. The it's still shop. there. It's still there. Now you pick it up and give it to me now, you know? I'm like, fine. <laughs> Finally, Vivek, do you have a philosophy or a motto that you live by? So one of the things I used to tell myself or even go to schools and share is that if you fit in, you won't stand out. So when I was young, I wanted to fit in. I was like, come on, I'm just like you guys. You know, I speak Cantonese and I have the same hobbies. But I realized that there's nothing wrong with not fitting in. If anything, many people nowadays, as you get older, they're like, what's unique about me? You know, what's my speciality? I'm like, you trying to stand out? So I never could fit in. So automatically I stood out. By simply shifting that idea of standing out, I was like, wait, that means I'm outstanding. And so I tell people that I'm like, try not to worry about fitting in. Because if you stand out, by default, you're outstanding. So do the best that you can, be yourself, don't try to fit in just what people want. Just be yourself, do, do your thing, and you'll be fine. Exactly. Well, thank you to our very outstanding guest, Vek Mabubani. Thank you so much. Thank you.